I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 141 in which I get started on 2014 and I'm recording this episode on Sunday, January 5th, 2014. Yes, indeed. Drumroll, please. The first official podcast episode of 2014. Um, I've really had a ball the last couple of weeks getting things in place for 2014 and actually getting some progress made on some of my resolutions already. So I'll be talking about that in this episode. Plus, I have some product reviews for you. The thing about actually spending time in your sewing studio is you actually use things that you own <laughs> and therefore you can actually talk about them with intelligence or at least some you know pseudo attempt at intelligence but we will be talking about a few products I've had a chance to use recently and um, let you know what I think and uh, well, let's just get going. I want to say a special welcome to everybody who's listening, and especially I have heard from a handful of new listeners, so it's always fun to hear from some new folks. It's always fun to hear from the, you know, folks who have been around for a while, getting a little dusty, <laughs> but I just like hearing from everybody. Um, that being said, I'm not sure yet whether I'm going to be doing listener feedback on this episode, because I have a lot of it. That's the thing when you actually do start podcasting regularly again. Funny how that works. People do actually leave comments. And so I've got a lot, and I've, I haven't really decided yet how I'm going to go through them, whether I'm just going to mention everybody by name or... Um, just highlight a few comments that I've gotten, which always makes me feel bad about all the people I'm not highlighting. So um, I decided I'm going to go ahead and record everything else and just see where I'm at time-wise. So with that being said, I do have a couple of announcements. I have a lot of Sandy update and some, as I said, product reviews. So let's get going. The first thing I am very, very pleased to be able to announce is the winner of the Art Quilt Maps book is Helen M., and if there's multiple Helen M's out there, I believe the full last name is on the widget on the blog. Um, it shows up, I do not put it up there, it shows up depending on how you entered yourself in Rafflecopter, and I just post it. And Helen, I have also sent you an email to the email address you left in Rafflecopter, so hopefully you got that. Um, you just need to let me know your address, email me your address, so I can make sure you get your book. I am very, very happy. I, like I think I said in my previous episode, boy, I loved listening, uh, reading your comments about what you would like to map. It was fascinating. And with every one, I was like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that one too. <laughs> so we'll have to just see what happens over the next few months. And, you know, if you order your own copy of, uh, since you didn't win the rest of you, sorry. And if you buy your own copy of Art Quilt Maps, just tell them Sandy sent you. Um, anyway, congratulations, Helen. That was a whole lot of fun. And um, we'll see. I, you know, if you make your Art Quilt Maps, send pictures. Would love to see what you do. Also, a reminder that the 2014 Quilty Resolutions giveaway is still open. The deadline is January 31st. You have to go back a couple of episodes to find all the links for that. I did, however, update that episode show notes. I think it was just the one right before the Art Quilt Maps one. So that would make it somewhere around episode 138, I think. Um, 
but the show notes on that episode where the link for the Quilty Resolutions giveaway, there's a spreadsheet you need to, or a set of questions you need to fill out in order to enter. Um, I have now posted pictures of what you're going to win. So you might want to go back and check that out because I think it's pretty. Um, so Sandy update. Yes, I went back to work, <laughs> but it was a very, very lightweight week. I worked Thursday and Friday, but then Friday our building was closed due to snow. This is the really interesting thing that happens when you're a telecommuter working from a different state altogether, because the weather in Philadelphia has more impact on my <laughs> work life than the weather here at home does. Um, they had a snow day. I think they said they got something like four or five inches of snow on Friday, so the building was closed. And so technically, yeah, I can take a snow day, but also I cannot take a snow day. You know, it's kind of really up to me. And I did have some stuff I just really needed to get done since I'm, again, going out of town this coming week. Had some stuff I had to do to get ready for that um, and kind of wanted to do myself the favor. Could I have taken the day off? Yeah, but it would have made this week, this coming week, a little bit more zooey. So I thought, you know, quiet day. Nobody's around. I had intended to work anyway. I don't mind working some. I did not work a full day, however. Um, it was probably more than half, but not quite three quarters. So would I make it two thirds of a day <laughs> that I probably ended up working? But that was okay. And, and actually, I, I enjoy, I like my job anyway. And I kind of enjoy working on days when nobody else is quote unquote around because it's really quiet. <laughs> it means I can get a lot done without getting emails from anybody else. Um, but that does mean I, I was able to get some stuff done on Friday. And um, we had... A, was that just Friday that we did that or was that Saturday? Now I don't remember. We ended up doing a Google Hangout. Was that just yesterday, people? <laughs> I think it might have been Saturday. Um, man, I don't remember. I apologize. It was a lot of fun, though. And this was the first time I'd actually been able to do a Google Hangout because Google Hangouts has changed their interface, so now I can freeze it on a single person. Uh, if you recall, uh, we've had Google Hangouts in the past. Um, Katie of Katie's Quilting Corner aka Quilted Magnolia and Pam of Hip to be a Square have hosted them a few times over the last year or so. Um, but the way the Google Hangout works, the video conference portion works, just made me horribly carsick. I mean, within two minutes, I was headache and nauseous and just needed to stop. And that's just no fun when you want to play with your friends. <laughs> I just, I couldn't participate. Um, but they have now changed it so that you can actually freeze the main screen on one person rather than it flipping back and forth depending on who's talking. So I just kept it froze. I'm not going to tell you who I was frozen on because <laughs> now you're all going to get, um, you know, oh my gosh, is she always looking at me now? Um, just know every now and then I'm going to freeze it on somebody <laughs> when I'm watching it. And uh, that that lessens the amount of carsick potential. I still have to be careful. I still wasn't looking at the screen all the time, um, but it made it a lot more manageable. And so I was able to be in the Google Hangout. And, and we actually went for about two hours, I think, all together. Um, so it was a lot of fun. So, you know, that was very spur of the moment, folks. We only decided there were like two or three of us that said, sure, let's do something maybe an hour and a half before we ended up actually doing it. And then um, thank you to Kati of Kati's Quilting. She was able to actually get the link and post it into Twitter. Um, I was using the app on my iPad and I could not for the life of me figure out where it was showing me the link. I don't think it does. Um, I looked everywhere, couldn't find it. Uh, but she was using her computer and was able to post the link. So that helped. 
So we did have, I don't know, were there about eight of us, I think, in there? In any case, that was a lot of fun, and um, that actually got me caught up on Scrappitude. I had already finished piecing all the units, but I had not trimmed all my dog ears, because that's really boring work to do. And so I just kind of set it aside and figured, well, at some point I'll, I'll get to doing that. Well, it was perfect to do during the Google Hangout, because it's quiet work. So, you know, I knew that what I was doing was not going to uh, disturb anybody else trying to hear anything else going on. So I just stood at my cutting table with my iPad Google Hangout sitting right in front of me and just trimmed dog ears for about, it, that took me about an hour and a half. And then the last part of the Google Hangout I was working on um, laying out a design study group uh, project that I kind of had in my head. So it's great. Those Google Hangouts are great for getting that really boring stuff done <laughs> that you need to get done. But it's just, you know, it just makes sets your teeth on edge to even think about starting it. This is the way to stay entertained while you're doing it. So thank you to everybody on Google Hangout. I am now completely, officially all caught up on Scrappitude. We will get the next step um, in just another week, I think, is when my guild meeting is, if I'm thinking of the calendar correctly. Second Tuesday? Yeah, so it's the Tuesday after this one that I will be getting the next step for Scrappitude, and I will post it as quickly as I can after that, probably not until Wednesday, because I don't get home from Guild until late on Tuesday night. Uh, so next Wednesday, you will probably see, I believe Charlotte said, how the blocks go together, I think is what she said the next step was going to be. So looking forward to that. Um, I have made a little bit of progress in my Hunter Star, but not as much. I was hoping to have all the borders put together at this point, I've got them cut. I do not have them actually sewn on the center yet, and that's because I keep getting distracted with other things. I, I've got like four projects going at once right now, which is really unusual for me. I tend to be kind of a one project at a time person, maybe two. Um, you know, I might have one that I'm actually working on and another one sort of in design stages on my design wall, but it's rare for me to have four different things I'm actually working on all at once. Five, if you count the fact that I'm baking bread. <laughs> like nobody's business. And and this all has to do with um, my 2014 Quilty resolutions about my Craftsy classes that I'm really trying to finish off some Craftsy classes that I'd started a long, long time ago and for many different reasons, depending on the class, just never finished. So I am currently working on the Wendy Butler's Burns um, machine quilting class. I'm actually, I'm at the point where I I'm trying to decide if I'm going to consider myself done or not. And I'll talk about more about that in a minute. Um, I'm still working on the Stitch Bible for Karen, Carol Ann Waugh's Stupendous Stitching class. I'm pretty close to being done, but you want to talk about mind-numbing work <laughs> at this point. Putting together one of those Stitch Bibles is, oh my word, it's just boring. And actually really exhausting because I'm just listening to my machine chunk away, and it can actually start feeling kind of loud, but that's a whole other issue. Um, so I'm only able to do a couple of pages worth of the Stitch Bible really in one sitting. And I think I'm down to having something like 20 stitches left to do, which depending on the stitches actually takes longer than it seems like it does, because these are now in the sort of embroidery design. I don't have an embroidery machine, but you know, the decorative stitching kind of thing, and some of them take a while to do a row of that stitch because it keeps backtracking and going over itself. So I've been working on that. Um, and I have been baking bread <laughs> for Peter Reinhardt's um, Artisan Bread course. In fact, I just pulled some out of the oven five minutes before I sat down to um, do this. Unfortunately, today's I don't think worked, and I'm not quite sure why. I mean, it's bread, 
and it'll be edible. There's nothing wrong with that. It just didn't rise as much as it should have. And there, there were so many variables in this particular method. There's no simple answer for why not, because this is an entirely different method. None of these are your standard bread baking. If you've baked bread and you're using the old school method, none of these are the same. Um, and I love them. I mean, it's great techniques. I love the taste, the flavor of the bread, but the techniques themselves, because it's so different from what I'm used to doing and there's so many variables involved, even down to what temperature my kitchen is at any given time. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to think through, once I cut in today's bread, I'll have a better idea, okay, what do I think didn't work as well this time? Or maybe I'll cut into it and realize it actually did work just fine. Um, you know, you can't really tell how your bread turned out until you cut it open. Um, anyway, that's a whole big digression. I will be talking about that class when I've worked my way all the way through it. A few of you have indicated interest. Um, I'm loving the class and not just because of the bread. There's some other elements to it, but I'll do a full review later on when I've actually gotten through some more of the techniques. Um, so that's, that's why I have so many projects going on at once. I've got the free motion quilting practice I'm doing for Wendy Butler Burns. I've got the stitch Bible for Carolyn Waz. I'm trying to figure out I'm, I'm making bread, which, you know, takes its own amount of time, although I can, do other stuff at the same time. I've got the Hunter Star and I've got my design study group homework and I've still got that art quilt map which is just languishing at this point because I've been trying to get through all these other things. So um, believe it or not this is the organized Sandy. <laughs> this is the one that actually has a plan of attack and is actually now progressing on projects which all has to do with setting myself up for 2014. Um, here is, I, I talked in my last episode about trying out some calendar task list type apps, and I mentioned Life Topics as one that I had just started using, like the day before I recorded my last episode, and that I thought it had potential, but it had a learning curve. Well, let me tell you now, I am deeply in love <laughs> with, with this app. Again, if, if you're just looking for a simple task list, a simple calendar, this is far more than you need. Um, and according to their roadmap, it's going to just keep getting more complex, which is beautiful for me because this is now answering everything I've been looking for. Essentially, what I've been looking for is something that can replicate what I do at work using Outlook and various Microsoft Office type things like Project and SharePoint and, and all these other things that I have access to at work that I use them to integrate with each other and all that kind of thing. I needed something like that for my personal life, but I didn't want to have it integrated with my work calendar. I already talked about that at the last, um, in the last episode, but I wanted all of that, you know, somehow in a, a simpler format or a more portable format or a more flexible format or something like that. But anyway, that's, that's really what Life Topics is. One of the best things about Life Topics, yes, it's a calendar. Yes, it's a task list, but the thing I like best about it so far and what I've spent the most time working in is you can set up projects that have all these components to it. So one project can have multiple tasks, multiple check checklists, shopping lists, um, service providers, that kind of thing. So um, for example, if, if I was to do a home repair thing like our kitchen has, we're not remodeling, don't worry, we just have some repairs that need to be done. And a couple of things that we never did when we built the house, like put up a tile backsplash, you know, stuff like that. So we're starting to talk about, all right, let's really focus on getting that done in 2014. 
I could set that up as a project. I could then have tasks, you know, research X, go to this place. I can have a shopping list. I'm going to need these supplies all in this one place. I can post pictures to it. So if I start seeing pictures of things I want to include or ideas I want, I can keep those all in that same project thing. And if I have a contractor or a kitchen cabinet maker, which, no, we're not doing kitchen cabinets. Oh my God, <laughs> let's talk expensive. Um, HQ Sue knows, Sue's knows all about that right now, history quilter. Uh, but anyway, if I wanted to, um, the tile, okay, let's say the tile store, I would set that up as a service provider and link it into this project. And all that means is that whenever I start working on this, then I go to that one project and I've got everything I need. Well, I've been doing this for all of my UFOs. So I list each individual UFO as its own project. I then list out what are the steps I need to complete. And I give myself, I haven't done this for all of them right now. I'm just in the process of listing them out and what I want. And, and also by UFO, I do include projects I haven't started yet, but I want to do. Um, so I should, UFOs, let's just say quilt projects. Um, but I'm able to put my task list, you know, for this UFO, okay, I need to um, decide on a quilting design. That was my stopper. You know, I, I got the whole top pieced, but I couldn't decide how I was going to quilt it. So the first thing, decide on a quilting design, then quilt it, then bind it, you know, whatever. I put every step in. For two or three of them, then, that I really want to try to get done, I've set dates to them. The other ones are just in there at the moment as projects, so I can add that later. Um, I've also listed my craftsy classes as projects so that I can keep track of, okay, I need to go through these lessons. I need to do this project or that thing or whatever. Um, and that's when I was talking about the Wendy Butler Burns class, I was kind of looking at my list for that last night and trying to decide when do I decide this is done? Because this is not a class that has a project that you complete. It's techniques. So I'm trying to decide at what point do I feel like it's done. And obviously every one of us would have a different answer to that depending on our own needs. I just need to decide for myself at what point do I say, okay, I've gotten everything I can get out of that class. I'm done. I'm considering it done. Moving on. Um, I think I'm getting pretty close to that point. I just need to decide, you know, is done for me just having practiced all the techniques or does done mean I am now actually going to choose a couple of those techniques and use them in a project or is done going to be, I'm just going to make sure I practice, you know, X number more minutes on each design. You know, I've, I've just got to figure that out. So this is my way of reviewing for you more thoroughly life topics. If you're looking for something that will really help you kind of organize your thoughts, organize your plan of attack, and then integrate it with other parts of your life, with your calendar, with your household duties, with your doctor's appointments, and yes, vet appointments. I had that fun yesterday with both of my dogs. Um, just annual physicals, but it's <laughs> Princess Doggy Spencer is a drama queen when it comes to the vet, so it's always an adventure. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole other side thing. I can look in Life Topics, and I do this every morning. I look at my day. And I know what my work day kind of looks like because I keep very close track of that. And then I can look at this and I can say, okay, well, I planned that I was going to do all these tasks, but the reality is I'm only home for 15 minutes. So let me move, you know, some of these things. So that's the kind of thing I'm able to do. Um, I, you know, I'm somebody, I'm somebody who likes to have a plan. Once I have the plan, I am totally game to change the plan or throw the plan out altogether 
but I like to start with a plan. So this is my way of having my plan to start with. I also wanted to say Beth um, had emailed me and asked if I had seen Cozy. And I do want to mention this because I had used Cozy for years back when my kids were younger. Cozy, spelled C-O-Z-I, is a web-based calendar app. I, uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember at the time now because it was a few years ago if it also had tasks. I think it did have tasks. But the beauty of Cozy is it's it's a family calendar. So you can keep track of multiple family members' schedules all in one place. And so when I started using it, actually was, I think, my son was like early high school. And then when I really started using it is when he started driving and borrowing my car. And so what I was able to do with Cozy is put my schedule in there and then send it to him and say, you can't have the car tonight. Don't tell your friends you're going to take them somewhere. You know, that kind of thing. It was just, it was better to coordinate all the family schedules at once. And you can then, you plug in your kids' cell phones and you can send them reminders. Hey, by the way, you've got a doctor appointment after school tomorrow, today, or whatever. Um, so it's really good. If you have kids still at home, or if you're looking at some way that you can coordinate your schedule with somebody else's schedule, Cozy is great. And I think it's free. Um, I know it was free when I was using it. It's been years, so I'm not speaking to that as um, knowledgeably now, but I believe it's free. It may be one of these that's free to a certain level, and then if you want more, you can pay for. Uh, Beth, feel free to leave a comment. <laughs> I know, I believe Beth said she had just started using it. If anybody uses Cozy and wants to leave more information um, in the comments, please do. Uh, so that's Cozy. I am not using it now. That's not what I needed for my time, but it was great for me when the kids were younger, so I can recommend it for that. Um, what else can I... I've been rearranging my sewing room. Um, I actually just, about two hours ago, was starting to think I might need to move the ironing board somewhere else, um, but I haven't committed to that yet. So I'm still at the point where I'm just using it and living with it and seeing how things work um, and how I might want to move them around again to really settle in. The main thing I did today was I rearranged where my rulers were hung. I have all my rulers, pretty much all of my rulers, hung up on the wall using, th yes, 3M strips and hooks. And of course, they had all been hung on the wall based on my former setup. So today I finally moved everything around and got them rehung on the walls um, in a new arrangement and actually went out and bought some more hooks so I could get more up on the walls. Or I had two or three rulers hung on some hooks and I wanted to spread them out because I was all switching around which ruler I was grabbing. Um, and that was kind of fun. <laughs> I, this is the weird kind of stuff that sometimes turns me on. So I was able to actually think through, okay, which rulers do I use all the time? Those are the ones that have to be right, you know, right at my hand's reach. Which are the ones that I use sometimes, but not always. Those need to be like on the outer rim. And then which ones do I really not use much at all, but I want to keep visible to remember I've got them. Those are a little for that, you know, so thinking through that kind of stuff. And that, that was kind of fun. So I've now got my rulers hung up in my new um, arrangement and have already started using them. So that was fun. But that's what I was saying to my husband earlier today. I've been, you know, kind of plugging away at stuff quite consistently over the last, really the last week or so um, since the, the room got moved around and I've been really working on some of these quilt projects and such. But it, it's one of these things where I've been consistently working, but it's hard to see what I've accomplished because nothing's actually done yet. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to when I actually start getting some finishes. And the funny thing is I'll probably start hitting finishes kind of all right at the same time because I'm working on things at all the same time. Um, 
I'm really hoping to get that Stitch Bible done today. Really, really hoping to get it done today because, man, boy, I can't wait for that to be done. Anyway, very useful. Very useful. I'm not saying that. It's just really tedious work. Um, I, I've also gone through my lists of all the rulers I own, all of the stabilizers I own, all the fusibles I own, all these little gadgets. I inherited so much stuff from my mother that's been sitting. And I was, again, very careful about what I took. I've talked about that in past episodes. I didn't just take all of her stuff out of her quilting studio. She had a lot of stuff. And I don't have as much room and really wanted to keep it manageable. But still in all, I ended up with, you know, a lot of specialty rulers and a lot of fusibles. And a lot of the fusibles I've kind of gotten rid of because those only keep their, their sticky so long. But I have a lot of stabilizers and that kind of thing. And I tend to keep forgetting I've got them really, because they sit in a drawer that I don't access all that often. So I, I took everything out, listed it all, made a checklist in my Life Topics <laughs> app, so that now it's all back in my head again. And I'm actually thinking through, you know, on my design study group homework, I was like, oh, wait, I saw that fusible um, interfacing. Let me see if I can use that to achieve this effect. So that's been very helpful, too. And just kind of making some plans for where I can use different things in upcoming projects. Uh, so that's something I would recommend. If you've got drawers you haven't looked in for a while, go look in them. Make yourself a list. <laughs> see what you've got. You might be surprised. Um, okay, so in all of that, yes, I have been getting some stuff done. So I've got some reviews. Um, let me do one really fast one. Is I own, and I have owned for about probably a year and a half, but this is the first time I pulled it off the shelf. I have one of those vacuum attachment kits that you buy. It used to be Clotilde, but now it's Annie's Crafts, I believe it's called. Um, it's one of these. It's a set of attachments that you stick onto your hose attachment from your vacuum cleaner, but they're very, very small. So they're made to get into things like your car vents um, so you can vacuum in those really small places. Well, they sell them in Clotilde to, to vacuum your sewing machine. Now, let me say, you've got to be really careful because you don't want to bend anything. You don't want to vacuum anything. You shouldn't be vacuuming up. Uh, but with all of this machine quilting practice I've been doing and with making my stitch Bible, I've been using my less favorite threads in my stash <laughs> and um, older stuff that I just don't like using, but it sat there because I also don't like throwing out a full spool of threads. So I've been using, let me just be honest, a lot of Mettler, Mettler, Lints like nobody's business. Coates and Clark. Lints like nobody's business. I don't use Coates and Clarks at all anymore, if I can at all possibly um, avoid it. But I have some older stuff in my stash. Um, and Mettler I have a lot because my mom had a couple of sample packs. You know, you can't just throw out thread from somebody's studio. I had, And they were fairly new, so I took them. And, but I've just been working my way through this. Well, I had so much lint in my sewing machine, and I'm not used to seeing that much lint because I use Aurifil, and it does not lint like that. <laughs> so I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to brush it out and brush it out and brush it out, and I, it's just, it's working my nerves. So I finally remembered, wait a minute, I've got that vacuum attachment kit. Pulled it off. 30 seconds later, it was beautiful. Um, and I used that one of the attachments has a little bit of a brush on it. It's like a, a very... Um, it's not stiff like an upholstery brush. It's a looser, more like, not quite a paintbrush. You know, it's a brush. Um, so I used that to kind of make sure I was pulling the lint up and it vacuumed. It was beautiful, and my my sewing machine sounded so much happier after I did it. Um, and again, I keep my machine pretty clean. This was all very recent lint, so it wasn't packed down in there, but it was there was a lot of it. 
So I would recommend, if you don't have that, you might want to try it again. It used to be Clotilde, now it's from Annie's Crafts, and it only costs about 10 bucks. And then the other thing I did while I had them stuck on my vacuum cleaner, I went to the back of my computers and I was vacuuming them out the, the vents on my CPU units because those just grabbed the dust um, and it cleaned it out beautifully. So I really recommend the vacuum attachment kit. The other thing um, that I have been playing with, this is something new I'd gotten myself. I'd had it on my wish list in Amazon and just tossed it in my cart when I was ordering some other stuff is the Fiskars Fingertip Control Mini Rotary Cutter. You may have seen this in ads in magazines. It's a fairly new tool, I believe. I had only seen it, you know, for a couple of months in ads before I went ahead. I'd, I'd thrown it in my cart, like I said, and then just was ordering some books or something and thought, well, you know, I might as well throw it in there since I'm ordering this other stuff. I think it's somewhere between 5 and $10. It kind of depends on what vendor in Amazon you actually order it and whether or not you want prime shipping. You know, all of those kind of variables, but still 10 bucks, not bad. It fits, it's this little tiny rotary cutter, um, 18 millimeter blade, and it fits right onto your finger. So you hold it almost like you're holding a pencil. And that means you can do these really fine-tuned hairpin curves with a rotary cutter. Very, very, very high amount of control. Um, I used this a lot when I was working on my art quilt map and I was cutting very small little pieces that I kind of wanted to have wiggly edges and I don't do scissors well. <laughs> I failed at scissors in kindergarten. I mean, I can use scissors and I've, I've got a variety of really, really, really good scissors that I really like, but sometimes I just, I do better with a rotary cutter. And I was using this thing and I was just loving it. I never had a fear about cutting myself because you've got such control because of the way you're holding it. Um, the, the only fail for me on this tool is that the blade is not replaceable. So once that blade gets dull, you're tossing the whole thing out and getting a new one. But I will also say this is not something you're going to be using all the time. So I think it would take a long time for that blade to get dull. Uh, the other thing that I'm not thrilled about, but I also can see why they did it this way, is it does not, the um, the cap, the cover for the blade um, isn't retractable. It just, you know, pulls on and off, which means it's something that's going to be relatively easy to lose. So you've just got to keep really close track of that. And I can see why they probably had to do that because there's no room for retractable. I'm not sure how they'd see a retractable. I did take some photos of myself holding this thing and using it so you can get a good feel for it. And I, I, if I recall, I took it, those photos on a day when I had a really nice manicure. <laughs> so I think it looks pretty darn good. Um, not the way my nails normally look, but we're going to just pretend for the purpose of that, that set of photos. Um, I'll put those on the show notes to this episode or on a new, on a blog post, just so I can get this episode posted quickly um, sometime this week so you can see it there. But I really do like this. I think it's going to be great for art quilting. Traditional, well, I guess if you're using applique, you might be able to use it. You know, traditional quilting, it's not going to replace your rotary cutter. Again, this is just a very small little blade, fits right onto your finger, so you hold it like a pencil and you can really do intricate work. Um, I really like it. And it's inexpensive enough, you know, why not? If you're going to have something that you think might help you um, do better at certain types of cutting, why not? It's only between five and ten bucks. The other review I have is that famous now, very famous, dry iron from the Vermont Country Store. 
Um, I've mentioned before that I had ordered this thing and that I'd gotten it and I've now been using it for a couple of weeks and yes indeed I love it. I first heard about this one from Sandy at Quilt Cabana Corner podcast and then Cotty of Cotty's Quilting also got one after she also heard about it from Sandy so you can all blame Sandy for this one. Um, it, it's really really nice. It's a dry iron so there's no holes in the the sole plate so it's just a flat slick um, heavy sole plate. And, and the iron itself is really nice and heavy, which I know for some people is a drawback. I love that because it means I don't have to press. It's doing the pressing for me. I just lay it on the seam and let it do its work. Um, I've been using a spray bottle with water in lieu of all the steam. I've been a huge fan of steam. I've used steam for years, but I've always suspected that when I have accuracy problems in my sewing, I've actually suspected my pressing much more than my quarter inch seam because I've measured those and they're always very very good. My cutting, yeah, when I've used different kinds of rulers, there's certain rulers I'm not sure I trust. Um, not my creative grids, love my creative grids, but other specialty rulers I've used in the past, sometimes I've really suspected that they've given me trouble. But mostly it's it has to do with my pressing. And this dry iron really takes away a lot of those variables because you're not using the steam. I can, if I want some, a little bit of that feel, I can spritz it with a little bit of water and press it. I've really started to wonder if my pieces might not be slightly more accurate because of this iron. And it's also nice that I'm not burning my fingers with steam all the time because that was kind of a, a regular occurrence in my sewing studio. The only downside to it is I do think it runs hotter than my old iron does, even with the, the, the former iron was a steam blaster. I mean, I think it's actually called Steam Express. Yeah, it's Black & Decker Steam Express. I can, I still have it. I'm not willing to get rid of it. Um, the main thing was it had started to leak occasionally. That's why I wanted to get rid of it or stop using it. And also fusible. Now that I'm doing a lot more fusible, dry iron is preferable for fusible. Uh, but in any case, it's, I think without the steam, when I turn the steam off, I think the dry iron is hotter than the steam iron is. And where this is creating issues is I have, um, and I just put this on last spring, I think one of those Bow Nash silver, uh, the kind of insulated reflective ironing board covers. And I think it's now too hot because I believe I might've scorched some white fabric. It's either scorch or it's starch because I've, I use a lot of spray starch, uh, Mary Ellen's best press. And again, I don't think my former iron got hot enough that you would even notice this old starch kind of coming through onto your fabric. I'm getting these sort of very light brown stains, not all the time, only on some white um, pieces from Scrapitude, I was starting to notice it. So what I did was I took a, an old piece of fabric out of my stash that I didn't really care too much about it and laid it over the ironing board to, with the intent of trying to press on that instead, just to see if that made a difference. And that was tricky because I didn't actually have it wedged down. So it was, you know, I was getting wrinkles and stuff. But what I was noticing is it was also picking up those brown stains. So what I used it for then was to see where the brown stains were, you know, where, where it was actually. And that's why I'm thinking it's more likely starch than scorching. Um, and I just avoided those areas of the ironing board when I was pressing the rest of the scrapitude. So I think I'm going to have to change my ironing board cover, uh, which, you know, dang, I just did it. So now I'm going to have to do it again. But 
That's the only downside I would say to this dry iron is I do think it runs a little bit hotter than my old iron and therefore doesn't play nice with, with my ironing board cover. Um, so I think I'm gonna have to go back to that traditional ironing board cover. So that's the only cautionary tale I would say about the dry iron. If you've got one of those insulated covers, just just be careful. If, or if, if you've even got a really old um, cover, be careful. I'd be interested to know if anybody else has this dry iron, if they also think it might actually be a little bit hotter than a standard iron, or if they've had any sort of problems with it and the silver ironing board cover. So those are my product reviews. Hey, I actually got through that faster than I thought I did. Um, I guess let me go ahead and do my review of the Wendy Butler Burns Machine Quilting class, because like I said, I could consider myself done at this point. I've been through all the lessons. I've practiced all of her designs a few times. I you know, can always use more practice. They're not perfect. Um, what I'm debating is, do I want to actually do a project? And I have a project in mind that I could do. Her class does not have a project. Um, in it. So it's really just a matter of you trying to decide then what you want to do with the knowledge you've just gained. And she does have some, well, I'm getting ahead of myself in the review. Um, let me, let me back up. I made some notes for myself to get ready for a review. Uh, let me do my review and in it, then you'll hear what I'm talking about in terms of what I'm thinking I might do as a project if I decide to do that. Okay. So it's Wendy Butler Burns, Machine Quilting, I have owned this really since the beginning of time. I think it was one of the very first Craftsy classes I ever bought. I think it's one of their very earliest classes they ever posted. And I believe, but don't quote me on this, it might have been their first machine quilting class. Debating only because Ann Peterson had one up there pretty quickly too. So um, if it wasn't the first, it was one of the very first. It was certainly before all of these swath. There's a ton of machine quilting classes up there now. Um, Wendy Butler Burns was one of the first. And I bought it, you know, like I said, very early on in my crafty career. And I started kind of doing it, but I never um, actually sat down and practiced her designs at my machine. I did some sketching. I would watch the designs. I'd get the information. I took the notes and stuff, but I never actually practiced anything. So I never felt like I'd really finished the class. Um, so what I decided to do is that was really the one I wanted to go back and finish off first before I started any of my other machine quilting ones. I really enjoy Wendy's style. I really enjoy her style. As you know, I did do an interview with her. So go back. I will post a link in the show notes offhand. I don't remember what the number of the episode was. Um, I didn't make a note to myself of that, but I will post a link in the show notes to the interview I did with Wendy Butler Burns. Although it was not about her machine quilting class, it was based on her other class. Um, I just, I really enjoy her a lot. And so I enjoy watching this class. Um, she talks about things like marking and stencils, but she doesn't go into great detail. Her main focus is free motion quilting. She's also a very, um, I guess what you would almost call an organic quilter. <laughs> In other words, she really does not sweat exact evenness of design. It's, she has a much more casual approach to it. I don't want to call it whimsical because whimsical implies you know, butterflies and happiness and, and she does do butterflies and happiness, but um, it, that's, it, it's more that she's organic is the best word I can come up with for it. Uh, she, she shows several very distinct patterns. She does spirals. She does square spirals. She does um, circles or whatever you want to call them, circles, bubbles, pebbles, all kind of the same idea. She does traveling fly, flowers. Um, 
She also does feathers in her style. Everybody that does feathers has a different way of doing them <laughs> from what I can see. Um, she has her own style for doing them. And so I've been doing a lot of practicing with her style, which has been a lot of fun. She includes a lesson on threads and needles. And um, she has a, a whole lesson on doing whole cloth quilting using hand dyes or like if you have a great commercial print that you don't want to cut up, she kind of shows how you can use that as a whole cloth quilt to practice your free motion quilting. And then she has a troubleshooting section, which is really good. Um, the way I approached it this time so that I could really feel like I was officially doing the class and could mark it as complete when I was done is I sat with a sketchbook while I was watching each lesson and I would practice the designs that she was describing as she was doing them. Um, and then when I was done watching that lesson, I'd go to my machine and practice the design on my machine and in with, by the way, all of these new practice quilt sandwiches I've made myself. Um, and I was specifically using dark threads, whatever threads, again, I'm using up a lot of my threads that I don't like as much um, on this. And so I'd be choosing the threads that would stand out the best. And I know that means, yes, you can see every mistake, but that's kind of the point. Um, I know that, you know, I can tell when I'm looking at this, okay, this doesn't look 100% here, but if I were to do this really on a regular quilt with a more of a thread that would blend better or whatever, it would actually look pretty darn good. So I can judge, you know, how what I'm doing is, is going to work well when I move it to a better, an actual quilt um, thing. And for the most part, I've been doing very well. I'm, I'm very pleased. There's certain things I now know I've really, I don't want to say I've got down because you always need to continue to improve, but the backs of my quilts look great now. I, I don't have nearly the problem with the eyelashes that I used to have back in the day. Um, my stitches are relatively easy. I rarely get the thread nests anymore unless I'm having, you know, some bizarre issue like the thread suddenly breaking in the middle of the, you know, like I said, I'm using older thread. Um, but I'm, I'm very pleased with what I can now see has been my progress since I first started learning machine quilting. But I'm also able to more easily see what is it I really need to do differently. Um, what I'm trying to decide is like, like I said, she, one of her lessons is whole cloth quilts and she mentions using hand dyed fabrics. And it's one of these things where I sort of had vaguely thought about this when I was creating some of these hand dyes, but watching her lesson, I'm like, you know what, I really could if I wanted to, and it, well, I, I want to at some point, this is what I'm trying to decide. Do I do this to make sure I feel like this class is done? Is to use one of my ice dyes um, or one of my more fancy hand dyes and use that as a whole cloth piece and practice several designs on that. Um, that's something I've wanted to do for a while. It's just a matter of do I make myself say, I'm going to do that before I can mark this class as done? Or do I just say, you know what, I really feel like this class is done and I'll do that someday, which means it might never get done. So that's why I'm, I'm trying to think through my own personality, how I tend to work and how I tend to think and decide what I'm going to feel best about. Um, I do really recommend this class. I do also know there's a boatload of other machine quilting classes on Craftsy and I've owned pretty much all of them. <laughs> I think at this point, there's a couple I have not yet bought. Um, everybody has different methods. Everybody's got different tips, hints, tricks. I would say if you really want to get good at machine quilting, use every single class because you're going to pick up different things from different teachers. Um, so I'm not comparing this class to others, partly because I haven't finished working my way through all of those other classes yet or even started some of them. 
Um, but I really do recommend this one. I especially recommend this one if you are new, if you haven't really done a lot of machine quilting yet. Um, her whole style is so accepting and permission giving and low key. <laughs> it's really nice. It's sort of like, here's what you can do. Here's how to make it the best you can. And then just go for it and have fun. You know, it's just, I, again, I love her style. It meshes well with my head, um, I guess you could say. So I do recommend it. Again, Wendy Butler Burns Machine Quilting Class. Um, so that's it for this episode. I do have a lot of listener comments. Um, I do want to say thank you so much to everybody who does leave me comments. I especially want to say a, a shout out to um, the new folks who have just, I've gotten two or three people who I don't know if I could fairly say you're new listeners, but you are new commenters. I've heard from a few people who have said, you know, I've been listening for a while and just never posted um, or sent you a comment. And so I just want to say thank you. And if there's others of you who are listening out there who haven't sent comments, just send a comment. I'm not scary, really. I enjoy hearing from people and, and end up often having a nice email exchange back and forth. Um, Carrie and, and Kitty, there's two or three folks that um, sent me an email in the last few days and I'd email back and we'd end up having this whole conversation. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I did want to highlight one person had emailed me that she was having trouble making uh, leaving a comment on my blog. And if you remember when I first launched this new website, which was now well, close to a year ago, not quite a year ago, I don't think. There were a lot of issues with comments, and I was going back and forth with um, with the uh, tech support of this particular web host, and it seemed like a lot of the problems got fixed, so then I just started kind of watching it. Well, doing the last few giveaways that I've given, that I've done, have shown me that really most people are having no problems um, leaving comments. For the most part, it's working well because I've been getting a lot of comments. But if you have problems, when you log in to leave a comment, just a straight comment on my site, and it asks you to log in like with Google, sometimes Google can be hitchy. And I have problems with this on other people's websites, other people's web hosts. When I have to log into Google in order to leave a comment, sometimes things freeze up. It's just a weird thing that happens. On my site, if you have that problem, just log in as a guest. If you log in as a guest, it goes smoothly. Um, and there's no issue with that. So go ahead and do that. I am now doing the vast majority of my giveaways I'm doing through Rafflecopter. So that's, it's got its own little login thing. And that's much more secure to make sure I know I'm getting the information I need. In other words, your name and your email address. <laughs> if you enter in a giveaway, I know I can get in touch with you. Um, so I'm not, I had had some thoughts about, am I going to change web hosts and all the stuff that that would entail? And I've decided I'm not going to do it at this point, at least not now, because it feels like most people are able to leave comments when they want to. Um, the other thing I have found is when I am reading people's blogs through a client, like if I'm in Feedly or blog loving or something like that and try to leave, leave a comment, a lot of times it doesn't work. And I have to go into Safari if I'm on my iPad or, or whatever browser and go directly to their website and then I can leave a, a comment fine. So just be aware of these various ways. How are you accessing the website? What are you doing to try to leave the comment? Where, you know, what browser are you using? Some websites even play better with some browsers than others. These are all things you just kind of have to think through when you try to leave a comment. Um, there might be other ways to do it that you'd be more successful. Um, so that's just, you know, information about that. And let me pause for a minute and kind of scan through my comments and see if there's anybody else that I really wanted to highlight. 
I was very pleased to hear from Jean, who said she is indeed going to be at the Lancaster show in March. And hopefully, and she's going to be there with two of her sisters. Yay. So hopefully I'll get to meet all three of them um, when we're there. Again, if any of you are planning on being in Lancaster at the AQS show, um, March, I don't know what it is, something like 12th through 15th, something along those lines, uh, let me know because we will certainly do a meetup. I won't be able to do it on Wednesday or Thursday because I'm in all day classes <laughs> both days, but then the rest of the week, it's a lot easier. Um, and actually, Jean, I'm, I'm saying that looking at your message that you're only going to be there on Wednesday and Thursday. So certainly we will try to find a time after if you're around in the evening, maybe, or over lunchtime or something like that, we'll figure something out. Um, those are just the two days I am in all day classes. So my schedule is a little less flexible on those two days. Several folks got a kick out of the fact that I used my quilting ruler to measure the snow for my blog posts on the, the snowstorm that I posted last week. Um, and a couple of people were worried that I was freezing my quilting rulers. Don't worry, they're not outside that long. I just run outside, do the measurement, and bring it back in. Um, quilting rulers are actually a little bit more sturdy than I think most people think they are, but I made sure that I, I didn't like run it under hot water or anything. I just left it in the sink, let it come back up to room temperature, wipe the snow off of it. But really, there's nothing better for measuring snow <laughs> than a quilting ruler. It works best. I've been doing it for years. It's always worked fine. <laughs> so, and, and we did. We got like 14 inches. It was, you know, not insignificant. We did not. It was very, very cold here, single digits with negative degree wind chill. But it was not nearly what it was in several other parts of the country. So hopefully everybody did okay. Um, I know Noni lost uh, power for a little while, but is back on deck now. She was on our Google Hangout. So um, hopefully everybody did okay through the snowstorm. And again, some, several of us got snowed in so day, SSSI. Got a great suggestion from Kitty. When I mentioned in one of my, um, I guess in the, actually the last episode, episode 140, in which we had BDSI, when I talked about quilt sandwiches, she left a comment that she says she buys pre-quilted fabric from Joann's with a couponer when it's on sale. It looks like a mattress pad, white or off-white. And then she uses color thread to practice free motion quilting, which shows up nicely on it. And she says she got that idea from a class she took in Houston. So that's a great shortcut to having some um, fabric sandwiches. So thank you very much for that, Kitty. Next time I'm in Joann's, I'll kind of keep an eye out for it, although I'm, you know, I'm set for now, but that would certainly speed up the process of having some quilt sandwiches ready for practicing. So again, those of you who are listening and want to do some practicing, look for that quilt, pre-quilted fabric that's white or cream, or you know, if, if you can get it in any sort of solid color, then you just use a contrasting thread to practice your free motion quilting. Tori left a very entertaining comment, again, on episode 140, where I, I talked about um, the Enneagram, which is, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it, it's Enneagram or something like that, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Um, that was the test I was talking about, Tori, and, and she said, uh, she immediately said the word gluttony to herself. She likes my spin on it, being a glutton for knowledge. She says she is also a glutton for knowledge, but a glutton for everything else, too, from food to work to books to quilts. And she says, my 2014 word should be moderation, but my life is like the old song lyric. I know there's a balance. I've seen it when I swing past. <laughs> and she says, I'll just keep trying. So thank you for that, Tori. That entertained me reading that. 
And Lori posted on um, a very old blog post, well, now, um, was the very first one on the mystery scrap quilt. And she says, in looking for a mystery scrappy quilt, she found my blog, wondering if she can catch up, lol. Um, she does have some squares cut, so she'll see what she has in them that she might be able to use. So, Lori, welcome aboard. If you're a listener, I don't know if you're a listener or if you've just found the blog. Hopefully, hopefully you've also found the podcast. And yes, indeed, folks, you still have time to catch up. Um, again, Scrapitude is a nowhere near as complex as a Bonnie Hunter uh, thing, so you would absolutely have time to catch up if you want to try to do it now. Linda posted a comment on my Craftsy Class um, blog post where I listed out all of my Craftsy Class stuff. And she said she appreciated my comments about Myers-Briggs. She gave me her Myers-Briggs type as well. And then she says, I remember attending a lecture by Paula Golden on Myers-Briggs and quilting. But there wasn't much that was news to me because I had already devoured everything I could about Myers-Briggs at that point. Linda, I would love to know. I'd never heard of that lecture. So... I need to do some Googling, but if you can give me any more information, that would be a lot of fun to to look at, you know, the relationship between Myers-Briggs and quilting. I've, I've looked at various other types of, you know, relationships with Myers-Briggs, but that would just be of interest to me. So if you can give me any more information on that, that would be great. Okay, I think that's all the listener feedback I can do on this episode. Again, thank you so much for everybody for commenting. I would love to um, read every one of your comments and respond to them like I have done often in the past when I've gotten fewer comments, uh, but I also need to keep these reasonably length, length of, of reasonable length. So thank you so much for leaving your comments and, and keep them coming. Um, I will have a podcast episode posted next Sunday um, if I can get it edited in time, even though I'm going to be out of town. I leave town either Thursday night or Friday. Right now I'm planning on leaving Friday, but if suddenly weather turns awry... <laughs> I will probably leave Thursday and and break the trip and do um, parts, but I won't be getting back until late Sunday. However, Jay and I finally got our schedules together. I am so excited, and we've recorded not just one, but a couple of different episodes, so I'm going to be posting one to go live next weekend while I'm out of town, which is the wonderful thing of technology. I can pretend I'm still sitting here in my computer even when I'm not. Um, so you will be getting an episode next week. And yes, it is another In the Design series with Jay. So I'm really, really excited about finally being able to offer you another In That series. And if you are a new listener, this is an ongoing series that's been going on for quite some time now. And um, I will also link in that episode to previous episodes. Basically, if you just search for Design Series, you'll find all the episodes. May or may not be available through my website um, because I didn't pull over all of my old episodes onto the website, um, but definitely all available through iTunes, so you can find them all there. So anyway, that's a, a little bit of a peek ahead to next week. Now I'm going to finish recording this episode, and I don't think I'm even going to listen to it before I post it. Usually I listen to it, but I really, really want to get back to finishing that Stitch Bible so I can just call the stinking thing done. <sighs> I will be so glad I've said that. I think a few times I will be glad when that is done. So there shall be much rejoicing. That's it for this episode. Um, you know how you can get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow the blog. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, Goodreads, Face, 
well, not on Facebook as Sandy Quilts, um, Flickr, all of those places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us group on Facebook, and you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group, and of course you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you can find links for all of those things at the show notes to this episode or any other episode, really, at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 